I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 135, in which we rip it. And I'm going to be talking all about seam rippers in this episode. I'm recording on, actually, I'm recording on Monday, I believe it's November 18th, um, but I'm probably not going to post this until tomorrow, just to kind of make it a little bit closer to a week since I posted my last episode, especially since I'm not positive I'm going to be able to post next week. So I'm stretching things out a little bit, but tonight I had some time. Um, my husband's out at a work event, so the house is nice and quiet, and I don't need to be anywhere or do anything, so um, I'm just taking advantage of the moments that I have. Unfortunately, I had been making some notes to myself <laughs> over the last few days, so this time that I'm able to sit down sort of on the spur of the moment and do an episode, it'll actually be a little more organized. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all of you who have been around for a while. Thank you to any new listeners who are out there, and over the last few weeks I have been contacted by a few, so thank you for joining up and coming along for the ride. And um, I think that's about it. I'm going, I don't really have any announcements. I've just got some ponderings about the next year or so um, in terms of the podcast and in terms of what I'm doing in my own quilting. And I'd invite your input after I share with you kind of what I'm thinking a little bit. Um, I've got a little bit of a Sandy update, although, um, you know, tonight I should be sewing, but I'm doing a podcast instead, so I won't have quite as much of a quilty update as I'd like, but I do have a little bit of one. And then I will be talking about seam rippers. Um, and then, of course, we'll do some listener feedback. So let's get started. Um, in terms of, it's not announcements. I always try to start out with announcements. I don't really have announcements other than to remind you of the Kiva team giveaway, of course. Um, I have been thinking about this podcast and how I might be able to... Um, Oh, what's the phrase I want to do? You know, actually put episodes out. <laughs> I guess I guess that's the phrase I'm looking for. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, back when I first started this podcast, I was really, really organized. I'm, I'm like amazed at how organized I was back then. I would have maybe five or six episodes going at once in terms of notes and content and that kind of thing. And somewhere I got away from that a little bit. Um, not altogether a bad thing. You know, it's nice to kind of do things more spur of the moment once in a while. But I am kind of pondering, are there some topics I could revisit? Are there some topics I could come back to? Um, are Is there content that I used to have um, that maybe I've gotten away from that you might want to hear again? So I'm, I'm kind of, as I'm pondering this, please feel free to give me your own input, things that... Um, Maybe things I've done in the past that you kind of miss and you'd like to see me do again. Uh, maybe topics you'd like to see me cover. Fair warning, I don't actually know a lot, <laughs> but but I know how to Google, so I might be able to find information for those things I don't know. Um, but yeah, like I said, just shoot some ideas my way if you would like. I will most likely be doing the Quilty Resolutions again. It is about that time of year. Um, and because of that, I'm also sort of thinking about what are my quilty goals for, going to be for 2014. And I'm, you know what, I'm finding myself really leaning in the direction of kind of stash busting, but not, 
you know, I'm not going to like track my stash. I'm not going to count yardage or anything like that. I, I just don't have time to keep track of that kind of stuff. But, you know, I just visually look at my shelves. All of my fabric lives on shelves out in the open. I don't have anything tucked away in bins or in other rooms. It's all right there. So I just take a visual. And when stacks start to topple, <laughs> and I've, I've got a few that are sort of threatening to right now as I'm looking at them, you know, that's when I say, okay, it's time to whittle down some of these stashes. Um, some of these stacks. And I did, for the first time in a long time, I actually paid full price for a Craftsy class. I typically, you know, buy them on sale. And I've got a boatload um, in my queue that I haven't, you know, I've maybe watched an episode or a lesson or two out of them that I haven't watched all the way through. So I really had no business buying any more classes. But I finally bit on, um, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't remember the name of it. Hang on. Let me just look. Found it. I finally bit on Nancy Smith's Strip Your Stash because I kind of thought, um, I, I basically figured out what her concept was going to be from the description, and I've probably seen her stuff, so I probably knew anyway. Um, but basically what you do is you take fabrics from your stash and you cut strips, and then you sew those strips back in together to essentially make new fabric, and then you cut those, you know, that stripped panel um, that you've just created in a variety of ways to make quilts. And I kind of thought, you know, that might be a good way to knock out some of my stash and make some cute donation quilts um, out of that. So that and a lot of, um, I still have a boatload of five inch charms, um, some charm packs, but mostly uh, scraps I've been cutting over the last year and a half or so. So I might just throw together a bunch more disappearing nine patches to use as donation quilts. Basically, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking maybe it's time for me to not commit to making anything for any particular reason, but just sort of whatever whim takes me at any given time, but working completely from my stash and then making them as donation quilts. So that's sort of where I'm thinking. So it's kind of going to be, if I do decide to do that kind of a year of scrap quilting, um, that would be a good way to kind of get my quilty on while I'm also in the basement dying. As my husband says, you've got to find a better way to say that rather than I'm going to go die in the basement. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to go, I don't know what I worded it last time. I said something about I'm going to go be creative in the basement, which probably didn't sound a whole lot better, but at least it didn't sound quite so terminal. <laughs> but in any case, I do want to do a lot more with um, with dyeing, with uh, surface embellishment or surface uh, design techniques. And of course, I did start a little bit of spinning. I want to play a little bit more with that. But that doesn't replace the sitting down at my sewing machine and playing with pretty, pretty floral fabrics. And I don't want to buy new fabrics, so I need to use the fabrics I've got. Um, I don't want to buy new fabrics because I'm creating fabrics. You know, every time I'm in my dye studio, I am creating more fabric for me to use. So it doesn't make sense for me to also be going out and buying fabric to use. Um, so anyway, that's kind of what I'm thinking about 2014. Maybe I have not committed yet because it isn't time to make our quilting resolutions yet, but I'm kind of finding myself leaning a little bit in that direction. But again, when it comes back to the podcast, if you've got things that you would particularly like to hear that I think I could actually deliver on, let me know and I will put it in the mix for consideration. So that's the extent of my announcements, such as they are. Okay, Sandy update. Um, again, not much. It hasn't actually been that long since my last podcast. My last podcast in which I said I wasn't going to be podcasting all that often. <laughs> you know, I just like to keep you guessing. Keep you on your toes. Is she going to post or not? Is she going to post? I don't know. Um, 
you know, I'm posting. We'll see how it goes next week. Uh, Saturday, I did not get, well, I did actually get more done than I thought I was going to this weekend. I, um, Saturday, my husband and I went with a couple of friends on what's mostly our annual. Um, we've missed a couple of years, but just about every year we go together with this other couple down to the Cuca Lake wine tour, holiday wine tour. You go in and you get, when you buy your tickets ahead of time, so when you're officially on the wine tour, you get a little holiday ornament. You get a grapevine wreath to hang all your holiday ornaments on. We've never done it. We always throw them out because, you know, I don't really want a bunch of corks with faces on them <laughs> hanging in my house for the holidays. But in any case, then every winery has some sort of food that is paired with one of their wines as a tasting, and then you get other tastings on top of it. But mostly the weather was beautiful. It was bright and sunny. It was like mid to high 50s. It was just perfect. And in a couple of the vineyards or wineries, they had patios or tables sitting outside. And a couple times we just hung out for, you know, 15, 20 minutes sitting in the sun and chatting. It was just a beautiful, beautiful day. So that was really, really nice. Didn't get any sewing done, but, you know, I, I feel like I traded off for a nice option there. It was really, really a wonderful day. And, I, you know, we all kind of joked that this time of year, every time you see the sun around here, you feel like it might be the last time you see the sun for months, so you better soak in every last drop of it. And we, we really did. We had a very nice time. I did, however, get, I'm probably about halfway done with my postcard for the postcard swap. Yay! Um, this is the postcard swap that Sandy over at Quilt Cabana Corner podcast is doing. Oh, by the way, shout out to Sandy for making the cover of the Quilt Blocks issue. I don't have the title in front of me. I, I, you know, I've bought that magazine many times before, so I should know it. 101 Quilt Blocks, annual Quilt Blocks, something like that. But she's on the cover of it. Check out her blog. Um, we're very proud of our Sandy. Very proud. Uh, but anyway, she's organizing a postcard, fabric postcard swap. Um, it's closed, I think, at this point. So sorry if you're just now finding out about this. But if it goes well, you might have another chance next year. Uh, but I made my postcard for my partner. I'm hoping to finish it up um, sometime this week, I'm thinking. Again, I mentioned in my last episode, my um, husband's family is coming in from out of town, and they come in Friday, I believe, this this coming Friday. And my daughter gets home from college this coming Friday. And then everybody's around for like a full 10 days, that whole Thanksgiving week plus the, the weekend on either end. So I'm not positive I'm going to get a whole lot of sewing done um, over the Thanksgiving holiday. But I do hope to get that postcard finished this week. The Baby Quilt Remix is down on the couch. I'm still hand sewing the binding on it. I will probably be watching TV tonight and hope to make some headway on that. And then my other niece's Baby Quilt um which I refer to as the admit one to the family, which you'll have to see pictures when I post it to understand where the name came from. Um, that's the one that I'm making for my niece who has yet to have her baby. She was due a few days ago. So I've been checking Facebook like nobody's business. I have, you know, I often avoid Facebook for several days in a row. Lately, I've been on it several times a day because I'm pretty sure when she goes into labor, that's where it's going to get announced. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm constantly looking, say, is she in labor yet? Is she in labor yet? But I don't want to ask her because there's nothing more annoying when you're waiting to go into labor than to have everybody asking you, have you gone into labor? So we're just quietly waiting on the side. Um, Unfortunately, you know, that gives me this false sense that I have time to finish that baby quilt, but I, I will get it done. I will. I promise it will be done. 
Uh, so that's where I'm at with the Quilty update. So let me talk about seam rippers. If you recall, in the last episode, I talked about the fact that a seam ripper had been recommended to me and I couldn't remember whether I had ordered or not. Or not. Um, after I posted that episode, I was thinking, yeah, I'm pretty darn sure I ordered it. Well, sure enough, the next day I got it. Um, so I actually spent a little bit of time playing with it. And I, you know, I, I joked on Twitter about, you know, well, now I have to, you know, intentionally make mistakes. So I have something to rip out. But actually, I'm not doing the kind of sewing right now that I needed to rip anything out. So um, I have my leaders and enders, which I don't do as official leaders and enders, but I do always start sewing a chain piecing on a piece of scrap fabric um, and run that through first and then start chain sewing because it keeps your um, thread from getting all tangled up and getting a thread nest at the beginning of your chain piecing. So I had one of those sitting around that I'd used several times over and had a bunch of you know lines of thread in it. So I got out my standard seam ripper, the one everybody knows that you can buy everywhere. And then I got out my second one, which is, um, I had to look up the name of it. It's an Ulfa Rotary Point Cutter. And that's the second one. I've had that one for years and have loved it. And I use that one a lot more than my standard seam ripper. And then the new one is Havel's or Havel's Ultra Pro Seam Ripper. And that's the brand new one I got. And I tested each one of them. So I thought it would be kind of fun to do a little bit of a um, review and a pros and con of each one because I don't know that I would only ever use a single type of seam ripper. I think there are different situations in which different types work. So without doing a full out, you know, months long testing of every type of situation I might ever run into, here's my review for what it's worth. A standard seam ripper. This is the kind with the sharp point and then a little bit of a curve in it where you kind of slide it under the thread and pop the thread in half. Um, the pros of that are they're, you know, they're dirt cheap. You can get them everywhere. They're inexpensive. Um, you can have five in your house. <laughs> and in fact, my sister and I, when we were cleaning out my mother's um, quilt studio after she passed away, started a tally of how many seam rippers <laughs> we found because they were all over the place. I don't think mom could have been standing anywhere in that quilt room without having a seam ripper within about six inches of one arm or the other. <laughs> I think we were up to like 15 or something by the end of the day. Um, I have only ever owned two. I'm pretty careful about not overbuying. So I had, I have one that lives next to my sewing machine. And then I have one that lives in the fishing tackle box, clean, brand new, that I bought to bring tools and notions and stuff back and forth to retreat. So there's a seam ripper that just lives in there. Um, the other thing about having a standard seam ripper and kind of being used to using that is that means if you forget yours, you know somebody's going to have one just like it and you're going to know how to use it. That's, you know, minimal, but it's something to consider. Now, the cons to the standard seam ripper. I have had a lot of people say to me they couldn't imagine using the other seam ripper that I'm about to talk to because they would, they're afraid they would cut holes in their fabric. Can I tell you the only time I've ever put holes in my fabric was with that stinking standard seam ripper. I put the point through the fabric more times than I can count. And that point is big. When it when it slips kind of out of your control there and goes right into the fabric, you get a pretty big hole in the fabric. Drives me crazy. It's even worse when I'm paper piecing and it just goes right through the paper and then you're starting to shred the paper and you might need that paper more because you're ripping out the seam because you did it wrong and you need to redo it. Um, that just drives me crazy. And 
that's probably the main reason I tend not to use that seam ripper. Now, there are probably many people who have used that seam ripper for 40 years and have never put a hole in the fabric. Whatever it is, I, I just do it. Me and my seam ripper just don't get along. So that's always been my issue with it. The other issue I have with it is it is slower. You know, you, you kind of, okay, at least this is the way I've always done it. Um, I go like every third stitch. I'll pop up a third stitch, pop up another third stitch, and then I kind of very gently pull the fabrics apart, and then I go a little bit further. I don't pull every single stitch, but it's still slower because you're kind of popping a stitch at a time. The few times I've gone in and tried to pull the two fabrics apart and then use the seam ripper between the two fabrics rather than on one side or the other sliding under the thread itself, um, it doesn't work as well. And that maybe it's because my because seam rippers are cheap, they can get dull really fast or something, but I, I tend not to be able to pop the, the thread as fast that way. So that's the standard seam ripper. I know a lot of people use them for years and love them. So I'm, you know, I'm not knocking the standard seam ripper. It's just not my preferred mode. What I have been using for years, I bought mine, oh, it's got to be 15 years old now at this point. The very first time I ever tried to paper piece, I bought um, a book and a DVD from Carol Doak, which, by the way, um, Francis, if you haven't watched that DVD of Carol Doak, watch it now. That is probably the best way. I've taken paper piece in classes, but it's always that DVD that I go back to. If it's been a while since I've paper pieced, I'll go back, I'll watch it a little bit to kind of refresh my memory and go back um, and then do it again. It's a fantastic DVD. Um, don't have the title of it. I think it's just called Paper Piecing with Carol Doak. So look it up if you don't own it and you want to learn how to paper piece. It's a fantastic resource. But I think it's in the DVD. I don't think it's in the book. She uses the Olfa Rotary Point Cutter. And she sings its praises. And so I went out and I bought one. And what it is, is it's, you know, it looks like an Olfa rotary cutter, except the rotary blade is not a circle. It's just like a crescent shape, a little bit pointy on one end. And what you do with it is you pull the seams apart and then you just sort of tap it. And man, this thing stays sharp because I have not changed a blade in 15 years. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> you just kind of tap it gently against the thread and the thread breaks. There's no actual cutting. There's no pulling. It just sort of snip, 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 and it's done. And it's especially good, which is why Carol Doak talks about it, for paper piecing. Because if you are trying to conserve that paper, it's better to kind of go in there carefully and just sort of slice that thread away from the paper than it is to try to pull it away. Um, I love my Olfa Rotary Point Cutter. I have two spare blades for it, I believe. Two. The reason I am nursing this thing along is because it's been discontinued for several years. <laughs> they, the, You couldn't find them. And I was just in a panic about what, what happens when the day comes that I can't find blades for this thing anymore. I was like really scared about it. Um, I did find, however, and I will post the link to it, I did find a website now that does have it. I believe it might be like $15. It's somewhere between $10 and $15. It's the most expensive of the options here. But again, I will tell you, I love that thing. Um, and it will be hard for me to give it up and switch to something else, but I'm, I'm going to try and, and go with this new one and, and for a while and see if I can get used to it. Um, so the Ofo Rotary Point Cutter, the pro of it is, again, like I said, you kind of hold the two pieces of fabric together, the fabric and the 
the um, paper, if you're doing paper piecing, and you just sort of open them up to where you're seeing the threads between the two fabrics, and you just sort of very carefully swipe that blade right around where the stitching joins in the middle. It is super, super fast, and it is also pretty safe. I have never, ever ripped fabric or cut the fabric with this cutter, um, mostly because that blade stays really sharp. Um, I, I, I love this thing. And you get used to how to hold it, so you can just sort of tap it, tap it, tap it, tap it, tap it. Um, you know, maybe at some point I'll do a Vimeo video on it or something, watching me use it so you can see how I hold my hands. But anyway, I, I love this thing. I can't say enough about it. My The biggest con for this one is, like I said, discontinued. Um, I can, I have seen blades, though, when I was looking up to see if I could find a link so you could even see what it looks like. I did find the rotary cutter, like I said, but I did also, mostly I found a bunch of sources for the blade, so I'm a little less panicky now. I might actually change the blade <laughs> on, my, on my rotary point cutter, because I'm sure it probably would work even better if it had something younger than a 15-year-old blade on it. Um, it is a little bulkier to hold, because it's, it's not the full rotary cutter handle, but it is a slightly wider handle. Um, but again, once you get used to how to hold it, I, I've never had any problems with control or it slipping out of my hand or anything. It's it's really a wonderful, wonderful tool. So the third one that I just got is Havel's or Havel's, H-A-V-E-L, Ultra Pro Seam Ripper. And the one I bought came with five replacement blades and it was about $10. Um, <laughs> it's scary looking. It is it is really scary looking. I had it, um, when I got it, the box, I just opened it up and I threw it on the, you know, in its packaging on the um, kitchen table. And my husband came home that night and he looks at it and goes, oh my God, what is that thing? <laughs> and I said, oh, it's a seam ripper. <laughs> and he goes, he just looks at me and goes, man, I guess I better not get you mad. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I have a seam ripper and I know how to use it. I mean, this thing looks like a scalpel. It really does. It looks like a surgical instrument. And and that's a good description for it because you can rip seams with a truly surgical precision. It's sort of a a hybrid between a standard seam ripper and that Ulfa rotary point cutter. It does not have, you know, the seam ripper point thing going on. It is a single blade like the rotary point cutter, but it's a much narrower blade and it's curved... Um, I never knew what the difference between convex and concave is. I always had that problem in high school. It's the one that that bumps up, you know, crescent moon. <laughs> Just think crescent moon shape, kind of heading to the right. Although I suppose if you're a lefty, you could head it to the left. I'm a righty, so mine heads right. And it's the inside of the curve that's sharp. So what you do is you kind of use it the same way as the Ulfa rotary point cutter but because it's narrower, you're, you're kind of going in between each individual stitch. So you're holding your two fabrics apart, and then you're going in between them in where the thread shows between the two fabrics and just slice, 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 slice again with that curved blade. So it's the same basic concept of the rotary point cutter I've been using for years. Um, let me read you some of the reviews. Since I've only tested it a little bit, I can't really speak to it with a tremendous amount of authority. But on the, the Havel's website, um, Havel's Sewing website, 
some of the reviews of it are this is the best seam ripper ever i've purchased many of them so i always have an ultra pro so i don't have to borrow one of the old style ripple rippers i take them with me use them at home and have given them as gifts to all my friends i tell everyone that i see a ripping something out with the old style rippers to try the havel's ultra pro ripper it makes ripping out almost fun um, now, yes, that could have been a paid ad, but I don't believe so because pretty much all the rest of the reviews read pretty much the same way. Best seam ripper ever. Best seam ripper ever. Um, one person says easy for a beginner to use. Another person says I use this seam ripper for all of my wife's serger and sewing seams for repair and re reconstruction. I have removed my embroidery mishaps and bad colors with it with any hardly any trouble. And I think that would be the one of the main benefits to this one over my beloved rotary cutter one, I don't do machine embroidery. But if you did do machine embroidery, or like if I was doing a decorative stitch, this one you would be able to go across the top of the stitching, or I suppose the reverse side of it, and just scrape the point of that seam ripper right along the top of the thread. So like if you've got a satin stitch, just run the seam ripper right down the, the satin stitch line, and it would slice all that thread, and then you could pull it out and, and redo it. Um, let's see, the same reviewer says it stays sharp longer, and it doesn't fray the threads. The long handle makes it easier to hold and steer in the right direction. Um, you know, just everybody who wrote reviews about this loved this seam ripper. I did not find a single negative review. Um, so, you know, I, I would say it probably is um, everything that it, is cracked up to be. I just haven't used it enough to be able to say, yes, I love this thing. I think I could. I could be in love. I could be in love. Um, again, the, the cons to this, it, it does look scary. <laughs> You'd have to approach it with a certain amount of respect. But, um, you know, there, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, I think, using it, but probably not much of one. I really can't wait to get the hang of it. I'm going to, you know, keep it next to my machine to remind myself to use that one instead of the other ones. I do find because the handle is so skinny and I tend to immediately try to hold it the way I've always held my rotary point cutter one because it's a similar motion on the cutting. I, this one does roll in my fingers a lot, so I'm going to have to kind of get new muscle memory <laughs> for how I hold it. Um, but I, you know, again, that's that's a surmountable problem. Um, so I do think, you know, give me a few months and I will probably be singing the praises of this one and my poor formerly beloved rotary point cutter will be then gathering dust in a drawer somewhere but i'm not throwing that thing out because i have loved it and you know there's always our first <laughs> so that's my review of seam rippers you know there's a number of ways to um find redemption when <laughs> when it comes to sewing errors <laughs> and these three tools will help you redeem yourself so there's um there's my review of a sort of the seam rippers and I will post links. I'm not going to post bother posting a link to a standard seam ripper because they're omnipresent. Um, but I will post a link to the Ulfo rotary point cutter and I will post a link to the Havel's ultra pro seam ripper uh, so that you can easily check them out yourself. And then I, did, I think I posted on Twitter that once I saw this Havel's ultra pro seam ripper, I started thinking about perhaps buying that klutz glove, the klutz glove, K-L-U-T-Z glove um, is from Fonz and Porter and it's they sell it for rotary cutting um, to make sure you don't cut yourself because apparently it's like you know a knight in shining armor's mesh arm gauntlet or something 
something that it keeps the the rotary blade from actually hitting your skin if you happen to cut i never have a problem with a rotary cutter so i've never bothered with the klutz glove but when i took one look at this surgical seam ripper i was like hmm maybe i ought to get the glove because i'm a little afraid of this thing so uh you know let me know and if you have any of these tools and want to well again standard seam ripper everybody's had it but if you've used either of the other two and, and want to add your two cents please do leave your comments on the show notes to this episode so let's do some listener feedback i have gotten a little bit of listener feedback um even though it hasn't been that long so thank you everybody i did just post on the blog tonight um that a, a few people had asked some questions about various parts of Scrapitude um, recently. And I was kind of waiting because it was like every time I sent one to Charlotte, sent a question to Charlotte, somebody else then would ask a question. So I was sort of waiting to collect all of the answers and post it at once. So I did that tonight. So if any of you had asked some questions about Scrapitude, some points of clarification, uh, do go to my blog. It's um, just, like I said, I just posted it tonight and it's the title is something about you know, responses from Charlotte or something like that. Um, so those those questions have been answered. I want to say thank you to Karen and Joyce, who both posted comments on my short blog yesterday where I said, here's a teaser and talked about the fact that I was going to be doing an episode on seam rippers. And Joyce said, ah, the joys of stitch removal. And Karen said, timely topic since I've been doing my share of ripping. Karen, my sympathies. I know there's a backstory there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm rooting for you. Hope you have fun ripping away and then, like I said, finding redemption. Um, thank you to uh, Robin, although I might have mentioned this in my last episode, but Robin did not get her post written in time for the last Scrapitude Linky, but she then left a comment. Um, she left a link to her blog post in which she did talk about Scrapitude in the comments to that um that was a blog post, not an episode. So Scrapitude Progress and Linky number two. If you go back to that blog, you'll see her link in the um, comments. So thank you very much, Robin, for sort of linking up belatedly, but we'll take it. Um, Bioliz, oh, that was a question that just got answered. You asked about ironing the seam? Check the blog. It's on there. Um, and she also said, I'm having a great time with this misty scrap quilt. Thanks to Charlotte for your design and instructions. And thank you, Sandy, for sharing this. And then you asked another question and I just answered that one too. So you'll find, you know, your life problems will basically be solved if you go to my blog tonight. <laughs> um, all right. And okay, that was Charlotte's answer. So we'll skip that one. Karen said, um, to my blog post, Scrapitude Step 3, she said, by the way, I hope you, I sure hope you keep podcasting, even if it's only once every few weeks. Um, and I will. She says, as for cutting your batting and backing after you sew your binding, I knew exactly what you were going to say. I knew it because I have done it twice. You would think I had learned the first time, but no, I cut my corners as well. I finally went back to my original way where I cut the batting and backing first. And Karen, you know what? As soon as I read, I was actually sitting in like the waiting room of a doctor's office or something when I read your comment and I just, I did a fist pump in the air. I was like, yes, I'm not the only person <laughs> that had that happen. And it did teach me that, yeah, okay. Although my way may not be the technically correct way to do bind or to do the backing, batting and binding, um, if it works for me, I'm going to stick with it. So thank you, Karen, for that voice of affirmation. I really appreciated reading that. Um, thank you to Pradima, who said she was very excited to do Scrapitude Step 3. 
Um, very lazy Daisy. Couldn't wait to get started on this tomorrow, and I haven't checked the Flickr group, so Daisy, did you get it done? I'll have to check and see whether you've posted your pictures. And um, a bunch more people subscribe to the blog by email. Thank you so much to all of you. You know, at some point, I should do a giveaway for blog subscribers by email, because I've got all your email addresses. You have to put it into the thing, and I can go in and get them, so it would be an easy giveaway to do. That would be a lot of fun. And... Um, I don't know how to say your screen name. <laughs> M. Jarkari, I'm sorry, uh, was looking forward to also hearing about Seamurpers. So thank you everybody for your comments and um, keep them coming. Just keep them coming because I like being talked back to. So this episode feels much more like the length I would prefer to do. And it, it's easier to do shorter podcasts when I don't or when I post more often. <laughs> So I'll, I'll give it a shot. Like I said, if you have ideas for topics for content you would like to see me do, or if there are things I used to do, like, you know, I used to do all those creativity challenges. I haven't done one of those in a while. Um, things like that. Let me know. I'd be interested to hear what you would like to hear out of this podcast. And maybe I can go into my fourth year of podcasting stronger than my third year has been. And we can just all, you know, forget this one and let it drift off into hazy memory. Um, thank you so much again for listening. Again, I don't know if I'll be posting next week. Who knows? I might get a random bit of free time somewhere that I would um, be able to use for this. But frankly, I think if I get random free time somewhere, I'm going to try to be at my machine sewing. So until then, you know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog, and you can follow it by email, because you just heard you might get a prize if you do. You can follow me on Twitter and Pinterest. You can friend me on Goodreads. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook, and you can also join the Flickr group, and I really hope you do, because I love seeing your pictures, even if I don't always comment on them. I try to get better about that. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team, and if you do so before November 30th, your name will be entered in a giveaway drawing there. And you can find links for all of that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And so until the next time, whenever that might be, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, mom.